to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Today I'd like you to look in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10 and 11. You can start getting set up there. Um, I, I read an article recently where uh, it talked about why the distance between the rails on a railroad are four feet, uh, eight inches, and a half. Eight and a half inches. Four feet, eight and a half inches. And, and it was really an interesting article because I mean, that's kind of a peculiar, it's, it's, it's a strange distance. Like who decided that the distance between the two rails on a railroad, the two pieces of metal that, that the train's going to ride on, is going to be the width of four feet, eight and one half inch. Like it just, it just, it's strange that how certain things come about. And some, so someone went to explore why this was the case. And so they found out that the railroad was originally uh, built by, and, and we know it was built by, by, by many people who, who came to the, to the United States as immigrants, but it was organized and the construction was officiated by, by expatriates from Great Britain. And so the reason it was four feet, eight and a half inches in the United States was because it was four feet, eight and a half inches wide in Great Britain. And then, and so they started tracking it back. Well, why was it four feet, eight and a half inches in Great Britain? And, and they found out that they wanted to match up the, the, the width of the, the trains to the original ruts in the road uh, that was used by the old wagon wheels. And so, so here the, 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 the railroad stations or the railroads in the United States were four feet, eight and a half inches because the ones in Great Britain were four feet, eight and a half inches because the original wagon wheels were four feet, eight and a half inches. And so, and they're using that, but then they traced it back even further that those ruts in the road went back to predated to, to the earliest wagon wheels that came from first century Rome. When, they had, when the legions had their war horses attached to these chariots for battle, it would accommodate two horses. And so it was four feet, eight and a half inches wide. So for 2,000 years, we've been using this rail system of four feet, eight inches, or eight and a half inches. And, and, and it's just, I guess it goes to, to explain or, or to prove the point that uh, that's just the way it's always been. And if something has always been like that, it is sure hard to change. Um, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're a person who is a creature of habit and, and, and you're just not going to change. Or you, maybe people around you say, oh, you're never going to change. I've often said many times that uh, I've, I've joked about that my favorite color is gray. And the reason my favorite color is gray, I really don't know, but I remember when I first got married, I had 10 gray t-shirts. And, and my wife was horrified, the fact that I had no variety in my t-shirt colors. And so little by little, when they started getting holes or started getting worn out, I found that my gray t-shirts were disappearing. And, uh, and the change had begun. Change is difficult. Change is, once it gets embedded into our DNA, into our society, into our psyche, it's there, and it's often there to stay. In Acts chapter 10, chapter, and also chapter 11, it's, it's, it's a long story. It's probably a story that, that warrants time in a Bible study that you can really dig into it. 
But chapter 11, Peter is confronted by the other believers at Jerusalem. And, and they're asking him about an event that took place. And you can read about that event in chapter 10. Peter had gone into the house of some Gentiles, some non-Jews, which was forbidden by Jewish law. And he went in with a specific purpose. And so he's telling the story in chapter 11 of what happened in chapter 10. And, and he is telling them about the story of a man named Cornelius who was a Roman soldier. And this Roman officer named Cornelius had, had been visited by an angel. And this angel had told him, you need to find Simon Peter who is staying with Simon the Tanner. And you need to go get him because he will tell you and all of your family how they can be saved. He sends his, his, his relatives, he sends his people to pick up Peter and bring him back to his house because he wants to know how to be saved. Well, simultaneously, around that same time, Peter is having a vision. And in this vision, it's about a sheet being lowered down from heaven. And on that sheet are all different types of uh, uh, foods from all different types of animals. And in the dream or in the vision, he is told to get up and eat. And Peter's response was, I've never done anything like that before. I've never eaten foods that are forbidden by, by the law. And, um, and he says, this is unclean. And God says, Peter, nothing that I make clean is unclean. And it starts the journey where, where the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is shared to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And, and this is God's, uh, God's ordaining this moment and telling Peter, this has been made clean by me. This is, uh, this is a divine uh, order that you are to carry out. And so about that time, as he's coming out of this vision, he hears this knock on the door, and it's, it's the people sent by, by this Roman officer. And he goes with him, discerning that this is the will of God. So the angel tells, tells this man, you need to send for Peter. Because Peter will tell you how you and your whole family can be saved. And Peter tell, and in the, in the vision, God tells Peter, you need to go with this man because his family needs to be saved. The way, the way Peter tells the story to the, retells the story to the, the Christians in Jerusalem, he says, the angel had told him that I was going to tell them how to get saved. See, the angel didn't tell them how to get saved. I find that interesting. As interesting as, as, as things are in, in peculiar things of history, like I said earlier about the distance and the rails, uh, why didn't the angel just tell them how to, become, how to be saved? And, and, and he didn't. And in the same way, God was doing something in Peter's life telling him that he needed to be ready for something. God had told Cornelius that he was going to provide an answer for how he and his family could be saved. And he was going to use a man by the name of Peter. But what if Peter hadn't have known the answer? What if Peter was, was not willing to change? Because in the vision, God was preparing him. You've got to get out of what you're used to, your prejudices, your, 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 these, these rules that have governed for all these years. Now it's time. There's a new change. God's doing a new work. Something has to change. 
Now, God had his reasons and his plans for these laws uh, as they left the Egyptians back in the Old Testament. Uh, God had told them not to associate with the Gentiles. And so we understand the backstory of this, but God's doing something new here. And, and he's preparing Peter for this. And he says, and you're going to tell them how they can be saved. And, and, I, and I thought, well, what if Peter wasn't willing to change? If Peter hadn't been willing to change, then, then this family wouldn't have experienced the greatest change, which is a spiritual change. They wouldn't have experienced what, what God has for all mankind. What, what I, I preached a couple of weeks ago in Matthew chapter 28, he has a plan for the nations of the world, not just the Jews and not just the Gentiles. He, he has a plan for the whole world. Well, I guess Gentile is the, is the non-Jew. God has a plan for the whole world, every tongue, every tribe, every nation. He has a plan for them, and it's a spiritual change that's going to take place, that's going to lead to eternal life and an eternity with God. But, but instead of God just sending angels to everyone's household, he said, I'm going to send my disciples, my true followers. The angel could have easily told Cornelius how to get saved, but instead he sends Peter. Both of them had the act, had to fall upon the act of faith in pursuing this. Cornelius to send and go on this strange adventure by sending someone to this house in Joppa. And, and then Peter to actually get up and go with these people that he didn't know. Something has to change, had to change in Peter. And probably had to change in Cornelius as well. And so as Peter goes... He then begins to tell them how they can experience salvation. But I, I just I settled on the idea of the, of the verse in chapter 10 where it says, and as he's telling this story, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So he's telling, he's telling the church and he's telling the, 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 the believers that God is asking me to change. In fact, Peter's telling them God is asking the church to change. And I'm reading that and I'm thinking, could God be doing the same thing in our day? Could, could we be in need of something of a change? Or, or are we going to just keep going down the railroad at four, and eight, four feet, eight and eight and a half inches wide? And are we just going to stick with that metric? And, and, and this is the metric that we're going to follow. This is the measurement. This is the way it's always been. And, and we're just going to keep on going straight. What if it's time to change? What if God wants to do a change in our church? And, and, and that change would start with us, and, and then it would filter out to the communities around us. What if there are households that are waiting to be saved, that are longing for what the Christian has to offer, and we're not willing to change? Something has to change. Peter recognized that something had to change. He listened to it, and then he embarked on that journey. But you know, we always want other people around us to change. We, we want our spouses to change and to adapt to us. We want society to conform to the way we think. Most of us, if it were totally honest, we'd prefer that someone else change before we change. That's just kind of, that's human nature. But we need, to, we need to flip the script on that as it relates to what God is telling us. Something has to change in me 
We, we need to understand that something has to often change in me before it can change in someone else because of me. If God wants to use Peter to save a whole family in Joppa, the family of Cornelius, or not Joppa, and in, in where Cornelius was from, he sent the guys to Joppa. It, but if God wants this family changed, Cornelius' family changed, he's, and he's going to use Peter to do it, well, he can't use Peter to do it if Peter's not willing to change. And if we're not willing to change, he can't send us. We have to recognize, what is it in me that needs to change? Well, well, Peter goes on in this passage, and he says a few things. He, he tells them what they need to do to be saved. And we find it in Acts chapter 10, verse 35. He says, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And now that seems pretty, pretty self-explanatory. In fact, what we know of Cornelius and the reason that, that Peter was even being reached out to in the first place and was the fact that, that there was this group of people that recognized that Cornelius was a good man. He'd given gifts to the poor. He'd even, he'd, he'd even helped in, in several uh, uh, benevolent gifts and acts to the Jews. He was a prayer warrior. He, was pray- he said he prayed. Now, I find that interesting. Maybe not prayer warrior, but... He was known for prayer. We would say that's a prayer warrior in the Christian church. But yet he didn't know who he was praying to or exactly what it was that God had for him and who God was. But yet he was praying and giving gifts and treating the Jews with kindness. And so they said to Peter, Peter, come. This is a good man. He needs to understand. And so he'd already been, I think he kind of fulfills this, uh, this statement He says, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. I think Cornelius was doing what was right. I think in his own way, he was fearing God to the best of his ability. But Peter starts there. He he, he starts with Cornelius and he says, Cornelius, if you and your household want to be saved, you have to honor him. You have to honor him. And and so I I was thinking, well, if, if, if there are households around us that need Christ, what, what's the message we're going to tell them? Honor him. But how can we tell them to honor him if we ourselves are not honoring him? In other words, we're, we're expecting them to change when the change hasn't even taken place in us. J- Jesus said this to his disciples in, in the Gospel of John. So in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 26, he says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so Jesus says, I'm going to be about certain things. And when I'm doing certain things, my children, my servants, my followers are going to be there doing those same things. We're going to be together doing those. And then Jesus says, and if you're there with me while I'm doing this, then you're honoring God. And God will honor you. It's it's a very simple principle. Honor God and he'll honor you. We see it in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Even further back in the Bible. And the Bible says, Therefore the God of Israel declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father. And it's talking about this, this lineage here that had been promised. Anyway, I'll keep reading. Should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, God is saying, 
in these two passages, and also we see it in Acts, that he will honor those who honor him. And that's first, that, these are the first words that Peter says to Cornelius. Cornelius, if you and your family are going to be saved, you have to honor him. But I would say go back, even trace it back one more step. If Cornelius' family is going to be saved, Peter better be honoring him. Because his message is going, to, is going to fall shallow as he presents it. It's not going to have the depth and the root system. It's, it's like you tell someone to do something that you yourself aren't willing to do. The Bible calls that, uh, said there was a group of people called Pharisees who did that often. We call that all the time here hypocrites. People who tell you one thing, but they live a different way. So, so something in us has to change. If we want to see other households come to know Christ, then we need to start by honoring him. He goes on to say in verse 36, he says, This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, I find it interesting Cornelius is not Jewish. Cornelius is not of the people of Israel. But, but this goes back to 1 Samuel, that he's going to honor anyone who honors him. And so he's given, he sets it up that way by saying, this is, this is for the Jews, but, but now I can see it's also for those who honor him who are among the Gentiles. And, and he, he makes this little statement that I think means a lot more to Cornelius than maybe it does to our modern vocabulary. He says, Cornelius, if you and your family want to be saved, Jesus has to be Lord of all. And now, for, for that day and that time, the Roman Empire, the Lord was Caesar. Caesar was God. And to go against Caesar was, was sedition. It, it was a traitor. It was a, it was a penalty worthy of death. And so Peter comes in here and he says, he says to Cornelius, Cornelius, the message God has for you is that you must honor him. You must make him Lord of all. You have to put him in first place. I remember as, as I was coaching my, my sons in, in Little League, and I coached both of them in either Little League or Pony, and, and I remember my, my oldest said one time, he said, Dad, why do we always finish second? Now, I thought that was pretty good because there were six to eight teams, and, and we did. We t had this tendency to always finish in second place. We never t we, we were, I think finally we did win, but there were many years that we were just always in second place. And, and he asked me that question. I'm like, wow, that's a, uh, that's a great question. And, and, and it was frustrating that to, to come in second. We didn't come in first. And, and it's a frustrating feeling to, to never finish first. I wonder how God feels. When he's always second in our lives. He's never first. See, Peter goes to Cornelius and he says, Cornelius, for you to experience salvation and that of your whole family, you must honor him. And seeing that you honor him, you must put him first in your life. He becomes Lord of all. Now this is going to be difficult for Cornelius. This is going to be difficult because he has another that he has pledged allegiance to, and that is Caesar, and that is Rome. He's the leader of an Italian regiment, the Scripture says, if you go back and read chapters 10 and 11. And so his loyalty is with Rome, or he wouldn't have ascended the ranks in which he had, and the way in which he had. Yet, God says, I need to be first 
in your life and in your family's life. Well, Peter can't say that with conviction if God isn't first in his life. Well, we know he was. We know the relationship Peter had, the backstory of Peter's relationship with Jesus. Jesus was first place in, in Peter's life. And so Peter had changed from that fisherman to that follower of Christ. And so he could go to him and say, he's got to be Lord. Let's jump down to verse 43. He, the scripture says, He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And and, and here is the culmination of this message. If you want to experience salvation, Cornelius, and your whole family, you have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that there is forgiveness in his name. And, and, and I would say if you read the depth of this, you'll have to understand and admit something, that you are a sinner in need of forgiving. So many people think that they don't need to be forgiven of anything because they're kind of like everybody else. And that leads to the problem of change. People say, well, I see them like me. Why change? We're all the same. See, if, if no one else changes then there's nothing to show the world. Something has to change. Being a Christian has to be more than, oh, it's, it's, it's on this medical form. Are you, are you Protestant? Are you Catholic? Are you, are you this? Are you that? No, it's, it's who you are because you've changed into that. Something had to change in Peter as a, as when he first started following Christ. But even here in Acts chapter 10, his prejudices, prejudices needed to fall away. And he had to change because God was doing a new thing. I think God wants to do a new thing in our churches. I believe God wants to do a new thing in our families. I believe God wants to do a new thing in, in the communities and the families that, of people we know and you know. He wants to do some changes and make some changes. But those changes have to take place and start at home. He says everybody who believes in him will be forgiven of their sins. The message of salvation, the message of salvation that God is is speaking through Peter, he could have easily given through the angel. But he says that's your message and that's my message. So the question is, what has to change in you What has to change in me for that message to get out to those who need to hear it? Let's pray. God, I pray that today we would not be creatures of habit. That we would no longer be people that would say, that's just the way it's always been. And that would be our motto and that would be how we run and lead our lives. Instead, I I pray that we would we would check our hearts and check our spirits and say, what needs to change in me so that, that I can be ready to be the witness that you've called me to be in the world? So I can see change in others. Lord, would you start by changing me? For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church. Thank you.